In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, I ask you to pray with me and over me that the Holy Spirit will be the speaker and that he will use me as his instrument of love to open my heart as well as yours to recognize whatever we need to know for self-knowledge so that we can grow in faith and charity. Amen. So last week, Lourdes gave us a beautiful teaching on joy with many observations to recall for your benefit it started with the awesome remark of Christ who asked us a very startling question about his death and resurrection do you think that my death and resurrection was useless and powerless that that is a soul searching question so we had others questions but we also had homework and so i remember when i was in grade school especially a good teacher would give us homework but then after she corrected the homework she would give it back to us and go over what we didn't get or what we got wrong. And so we learned doubly, first by doing the homework, and then we learned how to correct our mistakes. So our homework then was a series of questions. So let's start with the homework. Is there anything in my life going on now that reflects a lack of faith in believing in the power of Christ's death and resurrection? I said that was such a startling question that Jesus threw at us because what is the question really saying? It's saying the way you live your everyday life is the way you profess your belief or unbelief in my death and resurrection. So if I am in a situation that I'm totally powerless and I think it's hopeless, then I am in that state of mind denying the power of his death and resurrection. I'm not saying it in words, I'm saying it in action. And when we do that, we not only offend God's love and his great sacrifice on the cross, but something else happens. We suffer needlessly. There's suffering that's beautiful, and it's suffering that we can enter into the, we can join in union with Christ's sufferings. 
But there is also the suffering that we cause ourselves. And that suffering is not an acceptable sacrifice to God the Father. Why? Because it's suffering that has resulted from our lack of faith, from our forgetfulness, from our unwillingness to let God be in control of our lives. I will give you an example and from my own life, and this is a rare example, thank God. I say it's a rare example because it's an example of total failure in abandonment and trust. And I paid a very heavy price for it. What happened is last night, an hour before going to sleep, I began to reflect upon the pilgrimage to Mexico to look at the schedule and see maybe how difficult certain things would be for me, how uncomfortable I'd be, how concerned I'd be even about things like going to the bathroom. And I got carried away with thinking about these foolish things. And then, because I was very tired and wanted to go to sleep, recognizing my stupidity, I said, well, I'll fall asleep saying the chaplet, and that'll be my way of just showing God I trust. So I fell asleep saying the chaplet. But at 3.30 in the morning, I woke up very wide awake and couldn't stay in bed, had to get out of bed, and later I couldn't get back to sleep. When I got up at 3.30 in the morning, when I started to come to, I also started to recognize that some of those concerns that I just said I wash my hands of and I'm going to say the chaplain, they remained. And so as I tried to go back to sleep, I had to struggle to get rid of those disconcerting thoughts. By morning, I was totally exhausted. I've had a very difficult day. And I'm responsible. I allowed this myself to be caught up in the most ridiculous concerns that I could have ever had. And I paid the price for it. And the gift that Jesus has given me is that he's shown me today that this suffering, this discomfort, this tiredness, exhaustion, I bought it. I paid the price. I can't unite it to his sufferings on the cross because he never wanted this suffering from me. It came from my failure to abandon myself to his will. It came from my failure to trust. And then in the afternoon, 
something else happened that was like a hammer hitting me on the head. In the Diocese of Buffalo that I come from, whenever a priest dies, the diocese immediately, when they're informed, sent out an email to every priest. And this afternoon, I received an email about the sudden death of a priest almost 10 years younger than I am, who was a dear friend and a neighbor to me. He was a pastor in the neighboring parish. 10 years younger. He was on a cruise. He took sick. They took him off the ship, put him in the hospital in Peru, and he died. Why worry about something that might take place in Mexico when I don't even know if God is going to allow me to live that many days? That was the message was so loud and clear. And this is what we do to ourselves. I can, I can honestly say I don't do it because the price is so high. I'm not going to live stupid like this. Maybe only maybe God allowed it to happen so I could explain it to you what happened. Because normally I'd be on here and I'd be full of enthusiasm and excitement and joy and smiling and alert. And I'm dragging. So I'm telling you this story because you have to answer the question for yourself. Do you permit this to happen in your everyday life? I can't go into your mind. I can't answer that question for you. But if the answer is yes, then the question is, what are you doing about it? What is the root cause of your lack of faith, of your lack of trust in the loving Father? Sure, it's easy. You could say, well, my own father was very judgmental. He wasn't very loving. He was absent. You can make all kinds of excuses for why, but they're not valid excuses for missionaries of the cross because we have the teachings of the simple path. And we have the obligation by our profession of being missionaries of the cross, we have the obligation to live the path, promoting it, selling the books. That's not what it's about. It's about each one of us living the vocation. And so if we have been ignoring the father wound and just saying, oh, I'm over that because you're just pushing it away or pushing it down and you are showing behaviors that are not compatible with a son 
who trust his father, you are living the lie. You have to take wounds seriously. You have to take the disorders in your life seriously. It's not simply about confessing them. This is what people who are not blessed or privileged to be in love crucified do. They have, they live a disorder by just going to confession and then they hear the priest saying, oh, you're doing the best you could. God bless you. And they're, they're on a little merry-go-round. Disorder, sin, confession. You're doing your best. Go back to your disorder, your sin, and your confession. We are not permitted to live like that. And not only are we not permitted to live like that, we, it's inexcusable for us. And this is why in last week's teaching, because I wondered when I heard this startling remark coming out from Lourdes immediately, her first remark being about, do you think my death and crucifixion was powerless? I thought, what a horrible thing to think. And now I realize God is asking us to think about it, especially during this time of Lent and now Holy Week, because he cannot tolerate our living in denial of what he did for us to prove what a loving father he is. It's not just about sins, it's about love. Love had to be present first before the sins could be wiped away. The sins disappeared because the actions of love were greater than our sins. So if you have not abandoned yourself, you've not gone deep into getting your wounds healed, this homework assignment has to continue in your life until you can honestly look at Christ in the Eucharist and say, I got it. I'm living it. I live in total abandonment to your will. I live in total trust, believing you're the loving Father, that you carry me in your arms, that you are more concerned about the welfare of my family, my work, than I am. God is more concerned about the things that concern you than you are. That's the message of a loving father. How many times in a household parents will talk about their children? Their children won't worry if, if their grades aren't good, but the parents are always concerned about the child doing well. So they say, did you do your homework? 
Are you doing okay in school? They are more concerned than the child going to school. That's who parents are. Why are they more concerned than the child? Because they're loving parents. That's the proof that God is more concerned about your problems than you are. Christ said, if, if what father would hand his son a stone or a snake, if he's hungry, wants bread, wants to eat, God gave us that ridiculous example of, of, of a son and a father, the scorpion and the stones. It's, it's such an absurd example because God has to use observity to try to make us conscious of the love and concern he has for us. Because when he just tells us by his actions, by dying on the cross, we don't get it. So when we open scripture, again, it's in our face every time we open scripture. The words of scripture keep hitting us over and over. All the stories, the lost coin, the lost, she the lost sheep, the, the prodigal son, everybody's lost, everybody's found. Jesus is constantly weaving all these stories for us because we are his simple children who need to be taught by simple stories with simple truths. But we also have to say, have I gotten the message? Do I live by these messages? And I an example to everyone who meets me that I believe in the Father's love. Does someone ever come up to you and say, wow, you're a trusting individual? That is the stage to which we have to aspire. Where people will want what we have. And if they don't want what we have, it's because we don't have it. I can't tell you the number of people who remark to me that they like being in my company because of the joy I exuberate. My joy rubs off on them. My joy isn't manufactured. I don't buy it and stuff it and carry it around. It comes from my confident trust in the loving father and from abandonment. And last night, when I put it on a shelf, I paid double. And I was happy that I was exhausted and head was spinning because I deserved it. Because I was stupid not to abandon myself to the loving father as far as the trip to Mexico goes. I'm publicly apologizing. I had to to God and to myself. 
But I first had to come to the recognition of it. That's self-knowledge. So when something's out of sorts with you, you have to seek self-knowledge. What is the root cause of the way I'm behaving right now? What is the root cause of why I couldn't sleep? What is the root cause of why I have these concerns on my mind? The root cause will take you to the wound and the wound has to be healed. When that work, as that work progresses, because it's a work in progress, I have never reached, and I would never say that I've reached a point where I don't get self-knowledge. I have to laugh at how much self-knowledge I get sometimes. Like, I want to say to Jesus, why didn't you tell me this 10 years ago? Why are you waiting till I'm 84? And his answer to me one day was, because you weren't ready to hear it when you were 74. It's true. Sometimes we aren't ready to get self-knowledge. But I was looking for it. I would not have received it even 10 years later if I was not looking for it. I start every day looking for self-knowledge, looking for repentance, looking to grow in the Father's love. Do I feel I'm living in the Father's love? Absolutely, I do. I, I can't even think of why I couldn't feel that way. But did I slip on a banana peel? Absolutely. We're all human. We're all going to fail. But we can't live in that failure. We can't do that day after day. That's insanity. To do the same thing every day, to worry every day, to be overly burdened every day with all of these concerns, that's insanity. And we have to face the truth about what's going on inside of us. That's accompaniment, where you tell somebody what's going on inside of yourself. But the problem, why we sometimes can't share with one another what's going on inside of ourselves, is because, first of all, we have to look what's going on inside of ourselves. We can't wait for the person to accompany us to tell us what's going on inside of ourselves. We have to do the homework. The people who don't get it when they come into Love Crucified, and I see them and you all see them, people who get excited about reading the book, they tell me, oh, I love this book, but they get nowhere with it. It's because they don't want to do the work. Could you imagine if you didn't go to work all week and then you showed up on Friday and you said, where's my paycheck? It's like having all the instructions, all the teachings of the simple path. Every day you don't trust 
every day. You don't abandon yourself to God. You don't grow in, in knowledge of the Father's love. You don't grow in self-knowledge. And then you go with the book, The Simple Path, and you say to the Lord, well, why am I stuck? Or you go for accompaniment and you say, well, I don't think I'm getting anywhere. God gave us free will. That's why he needs our cooperation. He's not the examiner who tries to make it difficult for us. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit to prompt us and to feed the answers to us. But there again is another problem we have. If we are not living every day a life in the school of the Holy Spirit, how can we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit? You have to be in his school to hear his voice. A child has to go to school and open the door of his classroom and sit down there to hear the voice of his teacher. If our teacher is the Holy Spirit, we have to be in his classroom. We have to listen to what he's teaching us. And we have to go back and review the material. Jacques Philippe, his book in the School of the Holy Spirit. I have read that book now maybe four times. I always have to reread it because I want to be sure that I am a good pupil. And many times when I reread it, I see an area that I've been sliding. Areas of, what are the areas? We have to put to death that self-will. We have to identify the self-will. All of us are familiar with that famous song, Frank Sinatra singing, I did it my way. The whole world made that song number one. The whole world would sing that, would sing that song in every language. Why? Because we're living in the age of egoism. Doing it your way is the highway to hell. Doing it his way, God's way, is the way to Calvary and heaven. When I told people that at the mission, they were astounded that I made that distinction between I did it my way, I did it his way. I said, well, you're wheeled into the church. Your casket sits here. Do you want everybody in the congregation to start singing, he did it his way? Because you're going to be appearing before God the Father. And you have to tell God the Father which way you did it. <laughs> <laughs> 
and he'll already know if you did it your way or his way. And that's why I love reading Jacques Philippe's In the School of the Holy Spirit, tiny little book that I have on my Kindle. And it keeps reminding me, this is how you live if you're going to do it his way. I don't need a school to teach me how to do it my way. I have, and we all have, what is called self-will. If you think that self-will is easy to identify and easy to get rid of, read the diary of Sister Faustina, and as you're reading it, underline any time it mentions self-will. The greatest saint we have right up there, and she talks about how her misery came from her strong attachment to her self-will. And even Jesus told her, he said, that self-will, that misery of yours that you won't give me. You're holding out. Now, if Faustina could hold out on Jesus, do you think there's areas of our life that we're holding out on? Of course there are. And that is what we have to address daily. We have to confront ourselves. We can't be satisfied to accept ourselves saying, I can't change. The only people you can't, <coughs> excuse me, the only people you can't change are the people around you. But you can change yourself every day. Every day that you love someone difficult to love, you're changing yourself. Every day you put into practice the littlest teaching found in the simple path to union, you're changing yourself. Every day you grow in self-knowledge and you put it into practice, you're saving, you're changing yourself. We call that change transformation.